Hello and welcome to another episode of the Money Matters Podcast. My name is PJ Patterson and today's topic is will your kids ever be able to buy property? The short answer to that question, I'm not going to make you wait until the end, is absolutely yes. Your kids will be able to buy property. And I think part of this conversation that uh, begins in people's heads around their kids' ability to one day buy property is obviously we're in right now a huge economic expansion. And I'm going to talk about some of the things that have driven this epic rise in property prices. But certainly, um, every generation, in my opinion, has had this question about the next generation. Will they be able to do the things that we did, have the opportunities that we had? And I think that every generation that's come uh, before us, they've addressed that issue and they have uh, they have in whatever way they have done it, they have achieved the same things and in many, many cases more than the previous generation. So that's how I'd like to preface this whole question of will your kids ever be able to buy property? Because again, the answer to that is yes. So let's just dive into that. So again, what has driven this epic rise in property? Well, really the main thing is the availability of credit and uh, and debt, if you want to put it that way. So we've had interest rates falling for many, many years globally, uh, particularly in Australia. Yes, we've had periods where they've spiked back up or they've had to rise, but we've really been in a global decline in interest rates for a very, very long time. And this is a, a super cycle, if you want to call it that, of rates declining. And so what that's looked like is many assets uh, classes and asset classes around the world have risen in value. Uh, shares, property, commercial property, many different things. So um, what I'm going to suggest now is that we're going to enter a period of time. Uh, I don't know this for sure. Time's going to answer this question, but I believe that we are at the bottom of an interest rate cycle. And how much that changes, how quickly the, the cycle turns, or if we see any significant rise in interest rates, we'll just have to wait and see. However, I am suggesting to you that rates really cannot go any lower globally. We have negative interest rates in parts of Europe. We have uh, pretty much, I would argue that we've got negative interest rates in Australia because the inflation rate is much higher than the cash rate right now. So really, we do have, um, in some respects, negative interest rates in Australia. But the point I'm trying to make is you can only cut rates really to zero. And the cash rate put out by the RBA as of the recording of this podcast is, I think, 15 basis points. So uh, that's 0.15%. And so they're very low and uh, they're not going to really go much lower. And in fact, we're already starting to see interest rates rising. This is off the back of the fact that we have inflation creeping in to uh, the uh, conversation. And when that happens, the central bank's reaction to that is typically that rates do have to rise. So anyway, interest rates, I think, are going to begin to rise slowly, um, but they will just trend upwards over time. Now, what's that going to actually do to the asset markets? Well, if credit is vastly available, as it has been for many, many years now, it means that Credit will not be as available. There won't be as much credit available. And as such, asset prices aren't going to keep going up like they have done in the past. Now, there could be some extraneous event uh, like we, we reopen uh, because you know we've had COVID restrictions and uh, global travel and 
immigration has been slowed dramatically. Now, you know, Australia may take start to take in more and more immigrants, which could very well drive property prices higher. But we also have a demographic issue there, which I'm not going to really go into today. But we do have demographic shift occurring in pretty much most developed countries in the world where the population is aging. The birth rate is not replacing the population. And the only way to do that is to is to have immigration. So I would like to suggest that we may, again, be seeing a pretty massive shift here where uh, the property prices are going to slow because uh, the growth in property prices is going to slow because interest rates will be rising and we have some demographic shifts. So those are just things that will affect us very slowly, but I think that's going to enable our kids to get in the property market. But really, item number two today that I'm going to talk about is what's really going to drive your children's ability to enter the property market. And it's all about the choices that they make now and in their immediate future. I'm going to go into that uh, now in a bit more detail. And it's all about Let's say you've got a child who's 15, 16. Teenager, you know that, say, in the next 10 to 15 years, you would like to see them get into the property market. What's one of the key things that's going to drive their ability to do that? Well, their income and what they're doing for a living is going to drive a significant portion of that. But secondly, if they've been able to save any money, so do they have a deposit? And then thirdly, what does their... Uh, what are their liabilities? Have they gone into debt? Do they have credit cards? Do they have personal loans? Do they have hex debt? That sort of stuff. So let's just talk about that for a minute. If I was sitting down with a 15 or 16-year-old right now, I'd say, look, you're getting close to graduating high school, and let's just have a chat about career path. Do you want to go to university, or would you be happy to pursue a trade of some sort? Now, I did another podcast on trade versus university, and I go into all of the details about that. And I think that's worth a listen in and of itself. But the benefits of going to work straight away out of high school is that you, first of all, will not accumulate any university debt. Now, if you're very lucky and you've got a family that is going to pay for education or they've had some other, uh, the family's done some investing such that there's not going to be any hex debt or any debt to obtain an education, that's fantastic because I think it goes without saying that getting an education, a university education, uh, can and will help you along the way uh, in your life journey. But it isn't necessary to do many of the things that we need to do in life. It's it's great. I'm university educated, and uh, I chose that path. My well, my parents sort of chose it for me, and it's worked out really well. I'm in the finance profession. Now, if I was better at working with my hands or didn't really have an interest in university back when it was time for me to go to university, then I'm sure I would have pursued some sort of trade. And of course, that option also has tremendous benefits, uh, learning a trade. So uh, we know that in Australia in particular, trades people are in very high demand because they're just not being, uh, kids are not, and young adults are not going into the trades maybe as much as they would have in the past. So the choice you make, and I saw a great video post on, I don't know, Facebook or something about this um, recently. It was a young Irishman who uh, was a young man, and he was saying, and it was beautiful. It was a TikTok, I think, and he said, if you make hard choices, your life will be easy, and if you make easy choices, your life will be hard, and then he kind of talked about that for, you know, however long a TikTok is, maybe 45 seconds to a minute. And I, I watched it a couple of times and I was like, man, that's some great wisdom from a young man. 
and uh, it, it's, you know, Irish wisdom as well. And uh, I think there's another great phrase I've heard, which is may the road rise to meet you. And uh, so anyway, this idea that if you make hard choices now in life, that your life will be easier as you get older. And if you make easy choices when you're young, then your life's going to be harder as you get older. So let's talk about what some of these harder choices might actually look like for your kids and their ability to buy property. So first of all, let's take that example of an 18-year-old graduated, uh, sorry, graduated university. Wouldn't that be nice? Graduated college. Uh, uh, sorry, graduated. Let's try that one more time. <laughs> graduated high school. That's what we want them to graduate is high school. They graduated high school and they decide that they want to go get a trade. Now, great benefit of this is they're going to immediately as an apprentice start working and earning an income. So it's what do they do with that? Well, first of all, they need to start saving it. They're, that goes without saying. Set aside a portion of their income, get used to and in the habit of saving. Wonderful idea, wonderful thing to do. Secondly is we want them to stay out of uh, debt. So we don't want them to get this blood rush to the head saying, oh, look, I'm, I've got this job now. I'm earning some good money. It's more money than I've ever earned in my life, right? And uh, they go, oh, well, I'll go get a credit card and I'll maybe go and start spending money on more clothes and, and eating out and experiences and things like that. Certainly they can do some of those things. And if they create some sort of budget and a saving habit, then certainly they can do that and, and treat themselves to some nicer things in life. But we don't want them to go crazy and we don't want them to go out and get personal loans, credit cards, maybe a car loan or something like that. Just because they can doesn't mean that they should. So that's going to have long-term consequences, positive ones, if they're able to establish a saving habit and, for that matter, save as much as they can when they are just starting out in their jobs. Now, one other aspect of this, and parents, I could probably already, you know, see your eyes rolling when I say this, but they should, your kids should live at home as long as possible. Uh, and especially if you say to them, look, you can live here as long as you like, as long as you do this thing, because I want you to be able to buy a house in say 10 years time. And that is you got to save money and you got to um, set it aside and be responsible with your spending, etc. So I think if you put some rules around, you know, letting your kid live at home as long as they possibly can, then that's a, again, a great way for them to bolster up savings such that and establish savings and some habits so that when it comes time for them to buy a property, they'll be able to do that. Now, I would suggest that you get them to pay board or rent and board or some, you know, small token to uh, offset, you know, I've got teenage kids, young adults, and they eat a lot. So certainly, you know, you would want them to uh, give something to the household for the uh, privilege of living, continuing to live at home and save money. So that's, that's the trade-off. They have to make the hard choice of, okay, if I want to stay at home and I want to live at home, the hard choice is I'm going to, from whatever money I'm earning, I'm going to need to save that. And then finally, uh, parents, I suppose, on this particular topic is, I think you're going to need to accept that at some point you'll probably have to help your kids out. So that may be a small deposit. It could be that you set aside some money as well to help them get into the property market. Maybe you say, well, I'll, I'll help you with some stamp duty or some costs or whatever, possibly even considering going guarantor. So if you've been smart yourself and you've bought property and you have an owner-occupied residence and you've got a lot of equity in that, there's lots of ways to actually help your kids out without actually giving them money. Uh, and it's something that my firm specializes in. These are called family guarantees. Again, I'm not going to go into that in great detail, but that will help your kids get into the property market as well. Now, the third thing I want to talk about is uh, what they buy, because what you buy and where you start 
in the property game is almost invariably not where you're going to end up. So what do I mean by this? Well, unfortunately, a lot of people get, I suppose, um, enthusiastic about, they say they live in a particular area, really nice area where they grew up, and they think, well, I'll be able to afford to buy in this area somehow uh, when I am wanting to buy my first property. And of course, that is oftentimes well outside the bounds or the realms of possibility because they say, I live in the Northern Beaches area. They grew up in, um, say, Monavale. You know, to buy your first home in Monavale or, or first unit in Monavale is going to require a pretty significant investment of, uh, or, or pretty significant amount of money to be saved. So it might mean that for them to get on the property ladder, they've got to look somewhere else around, because I live in Sydney, around Sydney, to actually get into the property market. But as long as they're, I guess, um, getting into the market and it's not putting them under a lot of financial stress, the fact that they can get into the market and get on the property ladder as such is uh, is a great thing for them to be able to do. Because again, it's not where you start, it's where you end up. So getting into the market and having that large asset, have some capital growth affecting it, uh, them paying the mortgage down as well, building equity through a principal and interest mortgage. And then as I just mentioned, the capital growth of the market uh, helping to increase the equity that they have in the property when it comes time for them to maybe start a family or start that next part of the journey, which is to uh, step up and buy a larger property, they will have a much larger deposit through the building of equity and the paying off of the mortgage. So again, it's not where you start on the ladder, you're going to start on rung number one, it's where you end up down the track. Uh, and I'm sure if you think about your life and your parents, uh, this is exactly what they probably went through as well. They might have started off in a particular starter home or something like that and, uh, and then upgraded over the course of your life as you started family and your requirements went up. So I hope that's given you some optimism around will your kids be able to uh, ever buy property. And uh, look, if you're in Sydney as I am, then there's certainly... I would say uh, some angst around that, but hopefully what I've said today on this podcast has given you some confidence that A, you'll be able to help your kids out, but I think more importantly, it's best if you help them help themselves. On that note, this is PJ Patterson for the Money Matters Podcast, and as always, I wish you all the success with your investing. You've been listening to the Money Matters Podcast. Thank you for joining us. If you liked the content that you've heard today, please subscribe to the channel and remember to leave a comment, like, and share it. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time on the Money Matters Podcast.